Thanks for joining us for World of Lies. This is Purity for Life. So it is the corrupting of the human soul that is probably the most devastating consequence of sin. And God is warning people that he will allow that corruption to destroy them if they continue down that path. And man, the ramifications of that, if we would only take seriously what the Word of God says. From the very beginning, the nation of Israel has been the recipient of innumerable blessings from God. They experienced Yahweh's power as he delivered them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. They saw his majesty as he descended in fire on Mount Sinai. They must have stood wide-eyed as Moses descended with laws written by the very fingers of God. To them came the oracles, the prophets, and the covenants. And greatest of all, one day, a little child was born to them who was called Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But before all these monumental events, there was a man faced with a choice. Abram was commanded by God to leave the pagan nation and everything he had ever known and to go to the land that God would show him. We must all make the same choice, to follow God without even knowing where we are going. Will you heed the call and once and for all forsake the land of deception? In the introduction to the second part of your book, you said that when deception came knocking, it found a receptive ear with Steve Gallagher. Why did you say that? Uh, you know, like I talked about in the book, the first chapter, um, people are led by desire. Yeah. And when I was young, I had very strong desires. I was pretty much out of control, had a lot of rebellion to authority and um, completely self-centered. Mm. And so, you know, when those temptations in my teen years started coming to me, I was very receptive to going for it. And I did. I just, I just didn't have stop signs in my life. And mm. of course, the more I gave over to sin, the more deceived I became. Yeah. And I just became deeper and deeper immersed and deception that stayed with me for years. I've heard you over and over from the pulpit at Pure Life pleading, especially with the young men, to wake up to how destructive sin is. And usually you say something like to the old men, tell these young men what their life will be like if they continue on this path. You know, aren't you sick and tired of paying the price and all the destruction that comes from sin. And so if you were speaking to a young person today, what would you say the most destructive part of sin is? The other day I was studying in 1 Corinthians 3, and it says, uh, Paul said in there something to the effect that, don't you know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? And um, anyone who destroys the temple of God, God will destroy mm. because the temple of God is holy, something mm. along those lines. But that word destroy is uh, pathera in the Greek. Every other occasion that it's used in the New Testament, it's translated as corrupt 
or corrupting or corruption. Hmm. And so for whatever reason, the NAS, and I think the other translations probably too, use the word destroy. Hmm. But really, it's corrupt. Anyone who corrupts the temple of God, God will destroy slash corrupt. You know, this is the problem with translations a lot of time is that Greek words and English words or Hebrew words and English words don't always line up exactly. Mm. So sometimes a Greek word will mean two different English words. And it really does because destroy is correct, but also corrupt is correct. Mm. When we give over to sin, especially sexual sin, is very corrupting. We are corrupting the temple of God. Mm. And God is warning people that he will allow that corruption to destroy them if they continue down that path. So it is the corrupting of the human soul that is probably the most devastating consequence of sin, you know, especially sexual sin. And man, the ramifications of that, if we would only take seriously what the Word of God says, you know, we would stand up and, and you know, be alert when we hear those kinds of warnings and statements. We've spent the last seven episodes talking mainly about the second half of your title to the book, World of Lies. And... I think it's been really clear that this isn't just some theoretical doctrine that you've been studying, but you you know it because you lived it, and you've given your life to helping other people who have been living in that world of lies. So now we want to spend the next three episodes talking about the first half, walking in truth, because this obviously to you is the solution. If we can walk in truth, then we will come out of that world of lies. To you, from your own life and also from your study of God's Word, what is truth? Well, when you consider the concept of truth, it has to be tied in with perception. Um, What people perceive as being truth. And that's why in our culture today, Everyone's saying, you know, well, truth is for each person to determine for themselves, right. that sort of thing. So look, having said that, the reality is this, <laughs> that truth is whatever God says it is. It's God's perspective of the state of things that determines what truth is. And it is reality, you know. Reality, from God's perspective, includes the inner life of a person. Mm -hmm. It includes all that's going on in the unseen realm. It includes what God is doing and so on Mm. in in, um, an area in a person's life or whatever. So it's not just the person's own personal perceptions that matter. It's God who sees it all and sees it through pure eyes That's what determines what truth is. Mm. In previous episodes, you've talked really passionately about the state of the church and especially about the kind of message that people are getting on a Sunday morning. They may be getting like a 20-minute motivational speech or they may be getting a sermon that's basically 
a lot of peripheral issues and interesting information, or they could just be straight getting a gospel of lies. Now, you've also talked, though, about your concern for people who are sitting in churches that are preaching biblical truth, maybe churches that really emphasize expository teaching. But you said that even though they're getting that truth, they still may be missing something really important. And so what is it that those people are missing? When it comes to communication, you have the giver and the receiver. So, you know, it's always the issue. First of all, what is the pastor preaching? Is he preaching the whole gospel truth? And what I mean by that is not just nice anecdotes that are truthful, but is he addressing the things that are important to the Lord? Mm -hmm. You know, the worldliness, the selfishness, the pride, all those things. Is he addressing those things? So is he presenting the truth? Mm. But let's say that he is. Let's okay. give him the benefit of the doubt. Say, yeah, this is a pastor. He's a godly man. And he gives a well-rounded diet to his people of different um, aspects of the Christian life, sometimes com- confrontational, but sometimes just edifying or encouraging, you know, just a well-rounded uh, diet. But how does the hearer receive it? Does he have ears to hear? Mm. And, you know, the reality is, and it's exactly what Paul foretold for the end times, that people would have gather to themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Mm. They want to be taught a certain way. So the bottom line with people in sitting in church is that they've lost the fear of God and they've lost the reverence for the Word of God. Mm. So when the Word of God is exposited or a pastor really is preaching the whole truth to them, they just kind of take it like, oh, that was a nice little sermon, you know. Man, you know, they yawn and they kind of, I wonder what what I'm going to do the rest of the day. It just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. They're not really listening because, like I said, the lack of reverence for the Word of God. And so, therefore, sin is running rampant in the church. Sin, selfishness, pride, lust, all of it is running rampant in the church because there is such a lack of hunger to be told the truth. We've prayed for this series, so I I definitely trust that the Lord is going to use these videos and these podcasts that we've been producing to stir up in people a desire to have something more than just this deception that's all around us and to really know what it means to walk in truth. For a person who is wanting to really forsake this land of deception, I think sometimes what can happen is that we assume that we just need to change some external things. So, okay, I'll stop listening to secular music, I'll listen to Christian music. Stop watching secular movies, I'll watch Christian movies. I'll immerse myself in books and different teachings. And um, I know for myself that sometimes there can be a frustration. Like even when you're doing those external things, it's not having the, the result that deep transformative work inside that we're longing for. Um, what, what would you say to a person who 
is trying some of those external things and it's just not working exactly the way they've wanted it to. Well, the Christian life is a long journey. And in that long journey are long periods of drudgery, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just battling through, struggling, sluggishness. You know, sometimes you just are not feeling connected to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And and I'm talking about someone not in going in and out of sin. I'm talking right. about someone, uh, you know, a real believer who's really trying to walk with the Lord. So that is all part of it, though. You know, going across the deserts um, are part of God building into us, into his people, a hunger and a thirst to know him, to have him, to experience him, Mm. to um, feel his presence in Mm. their life in a real way. And the Lord, my experience has been for a hungry person, um, is he's going to bring them those those occasions where they're going to come to the oasis and just get drenched Mm. in um, the presence of God. And he's going to meet them there and do something powerful inside them. But it's not realistic to expect that we're going to live on Mount Sinai. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. There we will have those occasions, but, um, you know, reality is we just have a lot of uh, just battling through the daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will just add this, that if a person is struggling with, man, I just really need to connect with the Lord. Well, the Lord gave us the answer. You know, in Luke, I can't remember the chapter right offhand, but um, ask, seek, knock. Mm. And, you know, my father it's his good pleasure to give you the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, you know, so we have to ask, we have to ask, we have to ask, seek, 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 knock. You just have to get that into you to where you are not going to let go of heaven until you get what you came there to get. Mm. And God loves that kind of persistence and that kind of demand on him mm. to give him, or to give the person what they are wanting, Mm. which is more of Him. Yeah. Yeah, the Lord loves to answer that prayer. When a person lives in deception, they do it because they believe that it's going to benefit them. If I tell the truth, they say, it's going to cost me. In their mind, the cost of the truth will be their comfort or their possessions or their family or their reputation. But what that person cannot see is that the cost of truth is far less than the cost of deception because even though the truth might cost some temporal things, the cost of deception is their character. In a previous interview with Dustin Renz, we talked about the satanic darkness that he allowed into his heart before he came to know Jesus and about the incredible freedom that came when he started walking in the light. But even after Dustin came to know Christ, there was a time when he allowed deception to rule in his heart, and it cost him dearly. Dustin, you wrote a book called Pile of Masks, Exposing Christian Hypocrisy, to help professing Christians walk in the truth. And I want to read a quote from it to give listeners a more complete picture 
of the life that you lived for a number of years. You said, most of my credentials, as far as writing the book, came from time living in the wilderness. The seasons I spent in Teen Challenge and Pure Life Ministries serve as bookends for nearly 10 years of running from God, much like the biblical prophet Jonah. However, my running was done internally, and the fish that swallowed me was called hypocrisy. But, like Jonah, I too realized the desperate situation I was in and cried out to God for mercy. So to start today, can you talk to us about that 10-year period where you um, left the light of truth and began walking in hypocrisy? So it, it really started when I graduated Teen Challenge, and I got a little bit more freedom because pornography had been a part of my life since I was young. In the beginning, I was a sincere believer, and I kind of had opened up this door. I tried to get a little bit of help, but it, I didn't really allow people to help me very much. And mm. so I kind of had this thing on the side and I went to Bible college and it became on the weekends, I'd go work at Teen Challenge and I'd look at pornography and then I'd go back to Bible school. Mm. And what took place over a period of time, I can see pivotal points where the double life kind of grew and it all involved around secrecy and um, beginning to lie. I, I lied to my fiance who became my wife. I lied to a counselor at school. I had to lie to get my credentials to preach. And mm. so mm. it was not a one-day decision of, I'm just going to walk away from God internally and pretend to be a Christian. It wasn't like that. It was these these small decisions one at a time. Eventually, there was this public Dustin that everyone respected. I was in ministry. I became a missionary. Everyone mm. thought, this is who Dustin really is. Yeah. And then there was this private Dustin that had gotten tangled back into drugs and alcohol, pornography, and all the kind of darkness that God had rescued me out of, yeah. I began to gravitate toward only in secret. It was almost like there was this public me, and then there was the me that was hidden that actually looked a lot like I did before I got saved. Hmm. And it just it was a growing darkness, one decision at a time. Hmm. One of the things that stands out in your book is that during this whole process, as you were making, like you said, that one decision at a time that's creating this double life was that the Lord was trying to restrain you. He was trying to keep you from that and keep him close, keep you close to him. And you you were really honest about it. You said that that restraining love just made you angry because it felt like God was trying to keep you. Again, that lie was resurfacing. God's trying to keep you from something that, that you deserved. Um, how did your internal world change as you believed those lies? What took place over a period of time, again, this was a gradual change. There, there was a time where I really wanted to please God and got into the ministry to serve Him, and that was very much a real passion for me mm -hmm. and, and fueled what I did. And over time, it began to become more and more about me, especially mm -hmm. as I began to live for myself, you know, even though it was in secret. And so the ministry became, in my heart, an opportunity for, for me to get famous or, you know, mm -hmm. become something. So what took place is over that time, I saw the Lord really, he became a stumbling block to me to, to pursuing what I want. Yeah. And Looking back, I could see it's his mercy. He was trying to stop me from destroying myself. He, yeah. he knew that if I really pursued what was in my heart, it would end up being the end of me. And so hmm. he was actually trying to restrain me. But what happened inside was that I really got bitter at him hmm. um, to the place where I eventually I really felt like I don't even think I want to be a Christian anymore. Wow. And I felt trapped 
in a Christian life. I had married a Christian woman. I'd give myself to the ministry. I didn't have any kind of other career options or, or plans. And mm-hmm. so like, I kind of felt like I, I had set myself up to be stuck in this world with this God that I didn't trust anymore. And I thought that he was really, you know, against me. And it, so I just became very bitter, just this, this miserable, bitter person. In our World of Lies series, we've spent a lot of time focusing on how dangerous it is to harbor any kind of deceit in our hearts. And it's really easy to do that because we've got the culture's lies, we've got the lies even in the evangelical church, and then we've got the deceitful propensity of our own hearts. And when you've got all that arrayed against you, it might be easy to say, man, well, it's impossible. I could never walk in, in the light of truth. But you're a testimony that it is possible because you were in full-fledged deception and you did make a massive turn and begin to walk in the light. So what was that real turning point for you? Yeah. It, it began with my confession. I was on the mission field and I confessed everything to my wife. Mm. And that set a series of events that took place, getting taken off the mission field and resigning and all these things that took place that basically were consequences of that. What I found is when I got back to the United States, for the first time, I didn't have a mask to hide behind. Mm. And so I, I, everyone, people knew because we came back early. I had to confess to family and friends. I mean, it, it was fairly public. So instead of immediately repenting i just i got even more bitter i really wanted to run from god i was really just in a place of i just want to give myself over to my sin and then i'll have to deal with the consequences eight months of being in that dark place and i had the opportunity to come to pure life ministries and i came as a last resort i really didn't come with hope that things were going to get different i I thought for sure these people aren't gonna be able to teach me anything i felt Mm -hmm. like i knew it all anyhow um and showed up here at, at the program and the Lord just brought me through a several-month process of repentance, of breaking down that self-life, of revealing my heart to me, of showing me what I was really like. And and it was this cooperation of Him showing me and me admitting it and confessing it and crying out for help. And it was through that process the Lord really brought me to a breaking point um, where I just really realized He was my only option if I was going to ever be free. It was it was in the same place that I found back when I was in Teen Challenge. The same God who set me free once could do it again. Yeah. And if I wanted it, I I could cry out to Him, and He was making making that available. And so uh, through a series of events, that's kind of what happened. I ended up in the chapel for a while, for about a week, and just crying out to God, Lord, I still I want to have this relationship. If you mm-hmm. if this is really available to someone like me, who's done all these things, been in so much deception, and really brought shame to the name of Jesus, but the way my lifestyle. But if you still want me, like I'll do, you know, I want what you have to offer me. And Mm -hmm. it was at that point in time, he began this other process of rebuilding me and restoring me and bringing that restoration into my life um, that now, 10 years later, you know, has brought me on a completely different path than what I was on before. Did you ever think during that really painful moment, this crisis moment, like what's happening to me is bad? This can't go anywhere good. I feel like the Lord, and he does this sometimes, he brings you just to like where you feel like you can't bear it anymore yeah. and kind of dangles you there for a minute just so you, <laughs> just like to let you feel that pain. And I just remember shortly before really the breakthrough came, feeling like, okay, God, 
I've done everything I know to do. I've confessed. I've cried out to you. I see everything that you're saying. I, I, sh- I, I, I agree with you, and I just don't know what else to do. And I really felt like the weight, it was almost like I felt like I was going to get crushed by the weight. Mm. And it was at that point where I felt like there, I cannot take this anymore when he began to, to reveal himself in a different way. Wow. And that would really began that process. Wow. I think that would give people a lot of hope who might be nearing that breaking point. Just keep letting the Lord do that. Keep letting him take you there. As we start to close, I want to step away from your personal testimony and get your perspective as a pastor on something we both know from our own experience and experience ministering to people that the church today is filled with all kinds of spiritual illnesses that have their root in hypocrisy. And your ministry is calling the Bride of Christ to come up to your real calling, your real testimony. What do you think is the biggest thing that is hindering people from coming out of hypocrisy? I think one of the biggest issues in the Western Church especially is we've just learned to play church games. Mm. Like we figured out how to do Christianity and make it look authentic without actually it impacting our hearts, mm. which is why like Pure Life and my ministry and others like like ours, we're calling people constantly to examine their hearts because yeah. that's where you know Christianity has always been about the heart. And I feel like in our culture, somehow we've become religious in our Christianity where we've put up an image that if you go to church, if you talk like a Christian, you listen to Christian music, you do certain Christian things, that that's what Christianity is. Mm. And and somebody can do that and live for themselves at the same time. Mm. The, the reason people have such a hard time coming out of that is because there's such a lack of transparency in the church where we don't feel like we can have real honest conversations about what's really going on um, because we're just there's fear that yeah. is involved. And it's very... It seems very widespread. I don't think people even see another option. So you kind of end up just kind of fading in with the ranks and not ever allowing people into that that deep place that, you know, that says, like, here's who I really am mm. kind of thing. Mm. As you're talking about coming out of hypocrisy, you said it yourself that what had to happen was that there had to be a confrontation with the truth. And one of the things that Pastor Steve has been lamenting about during this entire series is that largely— in the church, pastors aren't giving people the truth. They're giving people what they want, something that caters to their own thoughts and feelings. And so what's what's your take on, on that, that if people aren't even getting the truth, how are they going to come out of hypocrisy? Mm-hmm. You know, I try not to discount the fact that God has a way of doing things yeah. despite the culture. Mm. Um, and I do have hope that God is raising up voices. I mean, that's obviously if I didn't think it was possible, then my ministry would be kind of irrelevant because <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it would be a lost cause. But I do think that God's raising up um, repentance preachers and, and a return to holiness. And whether or not that's a widespread thing, that doesn't seem very likely with the current church culture. But I do think that, you know, Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. They'll, they'll know my voice. And so yeah. I think even despite a worldly church culture, a uh, catering culture, of course, there's a lot of people in the masses that want their, you know, they have itching ears and all that. There are some that are hungry. The, the Lord's always got a remnant. Mm-hmm. And because I've seen it as I've gone to minister in churches and been part of the church world, there are some yeah. that are the real deal who really want the Lord. Mm. And they see that they're being sold short. And so the Lord has a way of getting a hold of those ones. Yeah. 
Um, I, I would pray and, and love to continue to pray, and I will, that the, the whole church would wake up. Um, but based on the current culture and what I see in the scriptures, that doesn't seem like a very likely uh, scenario. Yeah. But despite all of that, I do believe the Lord's working and will continue to work. And I think what happened to me, of course, could happen to someone else. Yeah. It happens at Pure Life on a regular basis, but it also happens in churches when people hear the truth. It happens in devotional times and quiet times when people are reading the scriptures for themselves. And yeah. So I think the Lord's got a way of getting a hold of his people. One last question before we stop. Um, that point where you said everything began to change was the point where you told someone everything. For the person who is knowing right now, they're listening and they're knowing, I'm that one who has to tell someone everything, but the prospect of what it's going to cost them is absolutely terrifying. Just speak to that person. Yeah. um, First off, I would say allowing it all to come out and exposing that was not an immediate fix as I thought. And in some ways it was the beginning of the nightmare mm. uh, because that's when I had to walk through a lot of those consequences. So it was, I had this, this picture of this beautiful moment where it came out and then it's like all the consequences are just wiped away. And, mm. and so I, I, I had a, a misconception about it. Mm. However, looking back over my life for years, I had wanted to confess what I was doing for years, I thought if I could stop lying about this, if I could bring it out into the darkness, I can at least begin the process of getting free. And I literally wasted year after year after year after year after year, mm. hoping to get it right between me and God. Mm. And that was the lie that was always there. I can do this. God, you need to help me. And I'll, and one day I'll get free and no one will ever have to know. Right. And it's a lie from the devil. I mean, we're talking about the deceptions of the enemy. The devil's yeah. right there. My biggest cheerleader in my hypocrisy was the devil whispering in my ear, mm-hmm. you don't have to tell anybody. And so I think that's the biggest lie we have to overcome is I look back and I don't think it was even possible that I could ever have gotten true repentance without first talking. The option of I'm going to get this right eventually in secret was never a real option. It was the enemy just putting that out in front of me. Mm. And so it always seemed right, like next time's the last time and I'm, I'm going to get free and, and I'd have like a couple of weeks where I wouldn't be in some sin and I'd be like, okay, I'm free, but then I'd fall back. But it was always an illusion I was chasing. Yeah. And the, the reality was exposure is an absolute necessity. I tell married men all the time, if you're married and you have a spouse, you need to confess whatever's going on. You need to let your wife know. But beyond that, a spiritual leader, you need to find somebody, not just a buddy who you can chat with that's not going to bring you to a place of accountability, but you need to find somebody that you can be real with and then allow the process of consequences and conversations, all those things you have to walk through, walk through it one step at a time, Mm -hmm. realizing there is freedom coming but you're going to have to walk through some pain along the way. Mm. But the longer you put off that decision, the deeper you get into it anyways. And so th- what what you could expose today and get free, if you wait two years, imagine how much more deeper the darkness, because the yeah. sin doesn't shrink. It gets yeah, bigger right. in the darkness. The Bible says today the day is salvation. Yeah. Today's a great day to expose sin and get it out in the light. Yes, you should have done it 10 years ago, but you didn't. But now's, now's your opportunity. And I would just encourage somebody to do it now. Make that phone call have that conversation while you feel the Lord convicting you because if you wait you'll convince yourself not to do it I don't want to press the point too much but this moment in our series is a critical one I believe that there are some listening right now who need to take a drastic step and confess your secret sin 
while some others need to just repent of a superficial and false Christianity. The people who take these steps are taking the very first big step out of the land of deception. Dustin did a great job of explaining why it's important to not put this decision off until tomorrow. And to end today's show, I want to play a short talk given by a graduate of our Overcomers at Home program because if anyone is still wavering, I think it will be a big encouragement to stop running and to say yes to the Lord. I just wanted to say that um, this is uh, for that one soul that Pastor Steve was talking about. When he was when he was talking, it just was kind of coming to me. You know who you are. You know, maybe it's the one or two or three. I don't know, but I know that uh, I want to tell a little story. And when I tell it, I want you to think in a spiritual term, because uh, I'm a police officer in Atlanta. And what happens is occasionally some guy will come walking into the police department and uh you know he just he just looks rough and weighed down just darkness all over him and he'll walk up to the window you know and it's just occasionally it's that one every now and then and uh sir can i help you and i'm here to turn myself in and, I, you know, we look at him like, okay, and he's, you know, been on the run for years and he's got warrants out for him and he's just tired of looking over his shoulder. He's tired of playing games. He's tired of running, living double lives. He's just tired. And he just comes in and he just surrenders. You know, we, you know, we get up from the desk and we take that man and we're gentle with him, you know, and we put the cuffs on him and we, we lead him in the back, you know, and you just see it all over him. It's just relief. Just total relief. And that's what I want to say to that one soul here tonight. She's talking about surrendering. It's just laying it all down. And it's going to be relief for you. It's what happened for me when I, when I surrendered and when I... When I laid it all down before the Lord, it was such a relief. He's, he's not going to beat you up, man. He's, he's going to be so gentle with you. He's going to take care of you. I, I plead too, brother, without one soul. For that one soul, if you just, I know you're scared right now. It takes courage to do that. Don't make no mistake about it. It's not a weak thing. It's the weak thing when we have to go out there and chase him down all night. But that guy that walks in that police station, he turns himself in, he's doing the right thing. It takes courage. Would you do it? This has been the first of three episodes on what it means to walk in truth. And I think the best way to wrap up is to remind you that God truly desires to answer the prayers of the earnest seeker. It can feel like we have everything arrayed against us, the world, the flesh, and the devil. For some, you fear facing the truth of confessing hidden sin or admitting that your Christian walk might have been at best shallow. 
but it is God's will for you to leave all of that behind and to come into his truth. It is the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So if you are determined to forsake the land of deception and allow the Lord to have his way, join us for our last two episodes as we discuss how to overcome in the fight for truth. Thanks for joining us today on Purity for Life. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.